That's why. But I'm here's the only problem: Jeff well. doesn't know what day the draft is. It's April. It is April. The <laughs> hold on, I'm doing something. <laughs> You're looking up the day of the draft. <laughs> <laughs> April twenty seventh. What's up, Houdat Nation, and welcome to the Dome Patrol United Saints Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, Houdat Nation? Thanks for joining us on the Dome Patrol Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff. And in case you noticed, we got rid of the Sanford and Son because the Saints don't suck anymore. Yeah. And now, before we begin this episode, I want to remind you all to tune in to our Facebook live stream draft night party. Yeah, we know it's Facebook, but that's just where we have the most followers. So we're, we're going to be live for the entire first round of the NFL draft, as is, of course, the tradition. And as usual, we're going to be inviting Dome Patrol podcast listeners to come on to the show, have a drink or seven with us we have a couple of other special guests that we're working on lining up for the uh special episode as well it's gonna be a live stream the whole night and then of course as we always do we're gonna edit that down to like a one hour two hour or whatever a multi-episode segment thereafter all right on this episode though uh we're gonna talk about the saints off-season moves specifically michael thomas Jameis Winston and Storm Norton. Then we're going to talk about the magic behind the Saints salary cap. And uh, maybe we'll talk about Blake Gilligan. <laughs> so anyway, put your seatbelts on. Keep your hands and legs inside your earbuds at all times and enjoy the show. On the show for this episode, we have James and Wesley. Welcome, fellas. How you feeling? Very Fantastic. good, thanks. We got, all we got right. Of, we got a lot of exciting things to go over. The I, mean, I think the offseason's been more exciting than we would have thought so far dude like i remember i sent a little private message to the group here i i think we had more to celebrate so far this offseason than we did the entire 2022 football season there is a smell of positivity in the air well that's me i farted oh sorry that's jeff (laughs) (laughs) all right we're only uh two minutes in and we've got our first fart joke so okay so uh like we said in this episode uh we're gonna talk about MT, Jameis, Storm Norton, our new offensive tackle uh, first. So let's talk about that. Um, Are you all surprised that Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston both agreed to come back? It's difficult to decide which one I'm more surprised about because there was nothing that would have made sense about either one of them returning. I feel like we could have said in thanks at Thanksgiving that there was a 0% chance that either one of them would ever play a game for the New Orleans Saints again. Like it just it's it's crazy. I think I'm more surprised by the Jameis Winston one. Yeah, if yeah. I'm I being think honest. So too. Yeah. There was clear that something happened between him and the coaches last season. He was upset that he didn't get his starting job back when he was declared fit by the medical staff. Now, obviously this is the Saints medical staff, so we're never sure exactly how fit that is. Um, but you know, there were stories starting to do the rounds where, you know, there was a real big fallout and, um, the fact that, um, 
that Jameis ended up coming back to be the backup to Derek Carr when he, it's clear he wants to still start. And he even said that in his social media post when he agreed the deal. He said, I'm a starter in the league. Well, are you? Um, you you've, you've come <laughs> to a team where you're not going to be the starter. Um, it's clear Derek Carr is going to be the starter, no matter what happens in training camp because of the contract he's on. And so, yeah, that's that's the big that's the big surprise to me. So I think that the Michael Thomas one is probably is let's go ahead, is the more impactful one that mm. could could well, have a bigger impact uh, on the season. Obvious. I don't think that that's even um, uh, que- a question um, because if the season goes right, Michael Thomas is the offensive player of the year again, and Jameis Winston doesn't throw a single pass. And that's how and Michael Thomas Michael becomes Thomas, offensive what player. What we know of the about year. his his ego and how it is. I mean, I'm sure it was a rough conversation asking him to take a pay cut and renegotiate and all. And we were basically giving him 900 grand to to change all that when we did that back in December. So so that's surprising and could be the bigger acquisition. But yeah, the Jameis one's a bigger surprise because, like James said, there's clearly a divide of bad communication. And let's be real. There's probably stuff behind the scenes Allegedly? that we don't know. Because later Is, on in the year, things absolutely made sense that Jameis should have at least come in and played a half of football. And there was a commitment of, you're not throwing a pass for us again. You're on this team. You can wear that jersey. You can sit over there and clap. And you can be happy and be a good teammate. You're not taking the field ever. All right. So then what I take away from the signing then, the return, is – that was all in that the narrative that he could play perpetuated by him was the lie. Like it almost, it almost, this almost redeems Dennis Allen and the coaching staff for not playing him. Even though there was a lot of the media coverage late in the season where he was saying, Oh no, I can play. And then the coaching staff was saying, no, he shouldn't play because he's still hurt too hurt to play. And then he comes back. Then that's, I agree with you, Wesley. Like, if I'm a quarterback, I'm like, my my ego wouldn't let me come back to this team. Yeah, and I mean, so I agree with you that it redeems some stuff. Um, I kind of maybe think of a different reason that redeems, because I think things Money. were as, I think things were as bad as, it, well, both fold. I think things relationship-wide were probably as bad as they could possibly be between DA and James Winston. And whatever happened, they worked that out. And DA as a head coach has some sort of ego. Jameis has some sort of ego. And they worked it out. And, and, got that together and then at the same time mickey loomis asking somebody to take a pay cut veterans don't do that in the nfl i could maybe see you know a veteran on a team doing that there's a few that guess we got a big thing in tennessee right now where the titans asked kevin byard to take a, a pay cut and he's like he Get said rid no of me. absolutely not well and the what he's done with four veterans that could honestly you're gonna could be a huge part of the season at least three of them um, you know, with Pete and Gilligan and uh, or, and uh, and Michael Thomas, those are could be important people in our in in, the, in this season. Yeah, and I think it really says something. Listen, we're dumb fans, and there's things that we get mad about. And Dennis Allen's not organized, and Mickey's losing the organization, and who's who's holding them accountable? Let me tell you something: the players are the ones that choose if this is a good organization or not. And these players love this culture and have decided to take pay cuts to stay here. And that doesn't happen with these egos right. and these professional football players. And if you don't so, think Andrews Pete could have got cut and gone somewhere and got another five million, he may right. not be good. He can go get five million dollars right. from somebody else. Right. And, and Jameis could probably be starting doing, for another team. Like that's what's it, weird. But to if me. not, 
even if Jameis can't start, he can go get four or five million dollars from somebody mm-hmm. else to be somewhere else where he wasn't completely yep. basically embarrassed last year. And Michael yeah. Thomas and Michael Thomas can go sign an extent. He's getting six million dollars. Well, but but His Michael Thomas is six the word million. On the, the word on the street is that Michael Thomas was actually played a big role in Derek Carr he did, coming no, here he and recruiting him. With, so with no Thomas guarantee, knew, with no guarantee, he was going to be here. He knew he was coming. Michael Thomas knew Michael Thomas was going to be a saint before Derek Carr became a and, saint. And, Otherwise, he wouldn't have recruited. Well, and here's here's what's it. That's listen, how, the that's, team, the hold team, on, that's Mickey's. Uh, Mickey was like, "This dude just played his hand. I know he's going to take a well, pay cut." <laughs> hey, I'll take it. I'll take it a step further than that. All the tea leaves here look like the Saints didn't call Michael Thomas and go, "Hey, what do you think about blah blah blah." It looks like Michael Thomas called the Saints and go, you know what? I understand that we signed this contract that means you're fixing to cut me and I'm going to be a free agent. I don't want that. I want to come here. If you look at his contract, it is not a contract that a team could go to somebody with Michael Thomas's resume, and I don't care about being hurt, with his resume and say, please sign this. He's getting a base salary of $1.2 million. That's all we are. If he gets injured in training camp and cannot pass a physical. As is, of course, the tradition. He gets $5 million for being healthy and pass on physical. So all he's due, if he, let's say, if Michael Thomas has 89 catches for 900 yards, he gets paid $6.2 million. Yep. He's got to get up to the, towards 100 catches I and the yards and all that and win awards to get more than that. Contract. That I've been saying that. I'm telling you, Michael I've Thomas been came saying, to the Saints and said, I want to be here. I I've want been, to re- rehab it here, and not that, anywhere else. It's on record on our show. I've been the biggest like fuck that Michael Thomas hasn't been a saint since 2019. We might as well just let him walk because there's no need. We don't even have him. We wouldn't even be losing him. Let him go. Let him go. Let him go. And then when we got Derek Carr and I started thinking about it, we we talked about it. That was what I was thinking is to me, like I would only sign. I would only be as a Saints fan, be happy with Michael Thomas returning to this team and accepting the risk that that comes with. Because it's high, high, high risk, right? The ceiling's unlimited. But it's also high, high, high. Or no, I'm sorry, high risk in that he, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. so an incentive-laden deal. And that's what we got. We, yeah. I love this deal because like Wesley was saying, he's getting paid. If he gets hurt, it costs us very little to nothing. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's they de-risked the situation. They and do. then, but if he performs, so it's win-win, right? It's win for the Saints, if something happens, like it has happened the last two years, three years. Uh, but then if he it works out and he gets back to his like 1700 yard season, 150 catches. Pay the man. Great. So. And the fact that he's willing to sign that tells me that he is confident and he believes in himself. And this also means he's going to be fucking motivated. We're going to you thought you've seen Michael Thomas motivated. Wait till you see him now because his fucking he, checkbook. Depends he's on, and, completely and bet on himself. I think every, I'm sorry. I think every NFL contract should be like this <laughs> period. That should be the, it should be like, that's the way it works. Nobody you should want, get paid uh, Lamar $17 Jackson million. To hire you agent? This so is not should, a good, no, this is but, not a good interview question. No, if you want to be Lamar you know Jackson's gonna, agent. No, but the owners are going to hire me. <laughs> You could be Roger Goodell's agent. Oh, fuck and you. We are set. <laughs> what we're looking at right now is, I mean, again, at some point, we've got to have a semi-healthy season, right? I mean, it's we're yeah. due. I, we are due. You are talking about Derek Carr, and you're going to miss Alvin Kamara for some games, but you're going to have healthy Alvin Kamara for 
10 other games. You've actually got a, right. a running back. And we'll get to Jamal Williams in a you've later got, you've episode. You've got another running back now that, that can play running back and be a starter. I have a lot of faith we're going to do something in the draft with that. But mm-hmm. you've got Derek Carr throwing to Michael Thomas, Jawan Johnson. Jawan Johnson is now working with the, who might be the best tight end coach in football, the guy that made Antonio Gates and has made other great tight ends. And then now you're also talking about you still got Chris Olave. Rashid Shahid is coming into his own. Yep. And and again, I also believe we're definitely going to have something else. There's going to be another receiver on this team at some point that you know his name or at least excited about. There's a lot of things. Olave. You didn't even say Olave. I did say Olave. No, no, Olave and then Rashid Shahid. I mean, yeah, but how how long did it take to get to Chris Olave? I mean, like seriously. It's amazing what what could happen y'all, this year. Like this, this Thomas offense. and Olave alone, then add Shahid to the mix. You're right. Like this offense, the only ri- the only real risk to this offense is two things: one, injuries; two, P. Carmichael. <laughs> and and we're gonna find out. Like I, I like this also because the, what this offense setup does is it no tells. Excuses. That's no right. Excuses. That's All right. Yeah. If this offense doesn't work, then Pete Carmichael is proven to Pete Carmichael might not ever work in the NFL again with this offense, with this personnel. All right. The other guy we didn't talk about yet is Storm Norton. I'm going to have to find a clip of like thunder or something like <laughs> Storm Norton. Uh, is he going to play? We hope not. <laughs> I, I mean, mean the, he's he's not very highly rated. No, he's an XFL way. guy. So, so, so don't so get listen. don't get overreact, everybody. Right? If you look at like the little graphs that PFF puts out about pressures and all that kind of stuff, he may have been the worst offensive lineman that played in the NFL last year. So would you say he's the Jonathan Abram of offensive lines? Well, he's honestly he's like the the 2021 Caesar Ruiz. Oh, with Doug Marone oh. did amazing things with. I see what you're so, doing here. I like it. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, there's a chance. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, I mean you're right, like, be, dude, we were ready fighting to land in young for who's healthier and who can be play a couple positions. Um, and I'll tell you what, here, here's really what Storm Norton's going to do. You what you really need is you need Carl Granderson going into this season with some uh, confidence nobody's going to give confidence to Carl Granderson like Storm Norton. We're <laughs> just going to line them up across from each other. Carl Granderson is going to think that he is Reggie White. Yeah. And then so for, you know, for me, he's got a cool name, Storm. Right. So I we've know. got a storm on offense and smoke on defense. It's oh, oh, oh. To be honest, probably, probably neither one of them will ever got, be on offense or defense we've outside got of the preseason. And a roach on defense. All right, no, uh, this storm fella like i see like uh, clearly we're gonna have injuries he's going to see the field at some point and that's <laughs> that's the scary part um he's gonna be elevated from the practice squad oh I'm, this will be one of my bold predictions that storm norton plays in at least seven games <laughs> i'm not saying he's starting but he's gonna see playing time in seven games and that he allows seven sacks <laughs> well, it's okay because we don't go back over the uh, bold prediction. Sure, it'll go wrong after the season. Uh, we did actually. It was an episode you did not attend. Oh yeah, I was right about three things. I forgot. Yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. Storm Norton, don't overreact. But I like where Wesley's point is that you know we were ready to put Caesar Ruiz on a bus and Man. ship him and Pete out of town, 
and Marone comes in and all of a sudden Ruiz is one of the best offensive linemen on the squad last year. So if he can work with Storm Norton like that, then, hey, I'll take it. Even as a backup. Yep. You know, he can back up Throckmorton. Pete. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Back up the backup. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You see, <laughs> that's, oh, I'm sorry. That's what he's going to do right now. Uh, the next topic was the magic behind the Saints salary cap. So it is, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, the Saints, you know, the narrative every fucking year, Nick Wright and the rest of the national media tell the world that the Saints salary cap situation is going to catch up with them and it's going to end them. And then Mickey Loomis completely em- embarrasses them and, how do they do it? Like, I mean, it's what's weird is like, it's not even a fucking secret what they're doing and how they're doing it. Why won't people recognize it? Why aren't more teams doing it? And the other side of it is I'm kind of glad that they don't, you know, like I'm, I'm equally frustrated that they're, that nobody's figured it out other than us. But I'm also happy it. that other people aren't yeah. doing it. The other and teams they, don't do it because it annoys people in the national media. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, no, neither do oh. I. But so, so the Saints don't care what the media and the league officials think about them. What does that cost us? Oh, I'm sorry, three Super Bowls. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, like, I mean, like, what are? Here's my real question. I guess the first question is: Do you all? Do you both agree with the people who say that eventually? This will catch up to us. No, no. Okay, because the salary cap is going to keep going okay. up. So, and and because we've been saying that since 2010, and I'm not sure. And we had a pandemic that is the one thing that should have made it catch up to us. And and here's, and anybody wants to say like, oh well, what about losing Trey Hendrickson? The Saints did not want to sign Trey Hendrickson for the amount that he signed with the Bengals. Oh, what about losing David Onyemata? The Saints did not want to sign him for the amount that he got paid by the Falcons. Uh, what about losing uh, Davenport? The Saints did not want to sign him for the amount that he got paid by the Vikings. So if the people we've lost, it's because we didn't want to pay. Caden Ellis, we would love to pay him. We would love to have Caden Ellis. We're not paying our backup. We play two linebacker system. We are not paying our backup linebacker $7.5 million a year. So it was never going to happen. And it's not because we don't have the money. Right now, we have over $17 million that we can use. We could have signed any of those players, if not probably all three. It was a good decision to let them go for those for those prices. And I think it's really smart, especially with Onyemata and Davenport, that we ate some of the dead cap that everybody's always talking about. We're not pushing, kicking that down the road by overpaying them. It was a smart move. Um, and, and the overhaul of our uh, defensive lines, not going to make us worse than we were last year. What do you say to the fans, the the Saints fans? So that's what you say to critics, right? What do you say to Saints fans who are critical of Mickey Loomis? And I don't know why. I mean, I really don't understand why they would be. But like there are Saints fans who are critical of the front office. And I'm not making a joke about Jason and the non-accountability. That's the next question. But what do you say about the to those actual Saints fans on Twitter who are... You know, the moment something happens, they start 
panicking and being like, oh, why did you, what are you going to do? Are you going to run out of money? How are you going to sign anybody? You know, you don't have any money to negotiate with. How are you going to pay for your, uh, your draft class? What do you say to those people? Because those are opinion, fans who are scared. My, my opinion is, is that since 2006, the Saints have won a lot of games. They won a Super Bowl. As soon as it turned slightly difficult, those fans are a little bit spoiled for what they've had for the last 15 years. And you're saying that since Sean Payton and Drew Brees left the organization. Yeah. That, that's but, that's but, the difficulty. But was that not always going to see a slight downturn in what the team do when you lose the best quarterback the team's ever it's had, almost, the best coach the team's have never had? It's kind of insulting to Sean Payton and Drew Brees to not allow for that. You know what I mean? Like to say, like, I expect another Super Bowl, even without Sean Payton and Drew Brees, that's an insult to Sean Payton and Drew Brees. We also, um, I mean, have had the most injuries in the history of football over a two-year period. Most mm-hmm. games missed, most different starters. There's never been somebody that's dealt with what we've dealt with the last couple of years. And there wasn't ever a part of our design to lose Drew Brees and move to Trevor Simeon and then Andy Dalton. No. Those happened because of injuries. There, that was not part of the plan, and that's just <laughs> something that happens. And you know what? Regardless of all that, there is one team in the NFL with more wins than the Saints since 2017. I mean, like, it's the Chiefs. So right. So then the, the right. So, then so, the criticism. Wait, what are we so what about? is the criticism? Right. So then the Saints fans who are critical of Mickey, and again, that's what this original question is. They're critical of Mickey and the way that he runs the financial part of the organization. That they don't. They they would be a better GM as it relates to building a team within the confines of the salary cap that they they could do better than mickey loomis yeah i, I think that it's just i think that it's just because it's the one team that most of the saints fans are familiar with and so kind of like i brought up last year when the the cornerback ratings come out and marshawn Lattimore was number two on the list saints fans are like what he miss he misses people catch touchdowns on him a couple times a year well <laughs> name yeah, a player and, that doesn't and, up a touchdown, yeah right? and, and, I, and i think we watch every play we and we hear every transaction so we focus on the bad ones and the good ones like oh well that's your job and right. then you have the screw up it's like oh well, you screwed this up and so we remember all, all the all the negative things and so basically anybody that comes up we kind of have this you know negative feeling about because all we remember the bad things but not realizing that mickey loomis as far as building a winning team is as successful as any gm in the history of football over the last 15 years oh the long and, haul right yeah and then you know same same thing with marshawn Lattimore over the last four years is one of the two or three best cornerbacks in the game and it's not even debatable um but but here we remember like oh remember that big game he Hooked had against cj spiller gave up nine catches yeah i mean but and something you said too just reminded me of this thought that we also like almost like judge the decisions they make based on what happens six months, eight months later, like as though like he was, he should have had the fucking foresight for that. You know what I mean? Like when you, and Nick, I, I love what new Orleans that football does with Nick and Mike. Sometimes they talk about like, if you look back at the moment they made that signing and Courtney Roby comes to mind where a lot of fans didn't like 
seven months after they signed Cody, we shouldn't have paid Courtney Roby done whatever they did with Courtney Roby. Say, you signed him with every intention that he was going to be this or Jameis Winston, everything that they've done. Like, you're right. Like, at the time of the signing, it was the right decision. Even the hiring of coaches, it was the right decision at the time. Nobody can foresee that a player is going to get hurt. Nobody's going to foresee something that's going to happen. You're basing your decision off the information that you have available to you when you do it. I think in, I don't want to get into explaining how comp picks works. If you don't know that, please go to over the cap and read it. They have a very easy thing to read, but right now I think the saints roster is better right now than it was on the last day of the season. Right. Yeah. With our new quarterback and everything. Yep. It's better right now with all that, with what we've done in free agency, we are due right now to get four comp picks next year. So we have other teams have overpaid some of our veterans. We have made shrewd deals and made our roster better. And then you look at a team like the Eagles, who is up and coming that most people think they're probably the by far head and shoulders above everybody else in the NFC right now. Right now, they have lost nine veterans that look like they would get nine comp picks. If it ended right now, the Eagles will get nine comp picks next year. So, and it's not because, and they're not running. That's what happens. Good teams lose, lose free agents. People overpay for your free agents that have had success in your system. You lose good teams, lose coaches. It's just part of it. And I mean, we're not the only ones that lose free agents and lose players. It has nothing to do with the way our salary cap is. Done. We're not the only team that cuts people that have gotten into sort of okay contracts. And we're not the only people that have dead money, but you know what? Right now, I think we're top three in the league as far as free agents money that we, we have seven over $17 million. I think there's only two teams of more than that. I mean, so we went in with the most with the second highest second uh, highest problem, <laughs> yeah. and now we're the second I mean, uh, best situation. And, and we've cut nobody. There I mean, was not one player. Tune into tune into the next episode. Yeah, I mean, so I, I think I think that's a really good point about Wesley. You're making about how like we're not the only team who deals with repercussions of like either a bad investment or whatever. You know what I mean? Like. That's just the way the that's the way it works. So, but but yes, as fans, they're gonna overreact because they are not as tuned in to like nobody's listening to the Steel Curtain podcast. You know, speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. Oh, oh, oh. Hey. Oh, you hey, Jason, welcome to the show. Um, we are in the middle of our FDA actually wrapping up the conversation on why Mickey Loomis is uh, pretty much deserved of the award, maybe like GM of the year. Uh, want to actually, you're the perfect slow person. Down, if, slow if, down, slow down. If you're willing to vote for him, if you're willing to vote for him, then we know he actually wins because you're the most critical on the show for all of our new listeners jason hates mickey loomis and jason feels like that the, I, I, the way that he runs him. the saints organization he should be fired and run out of town i have a reliable is that an, is that an accurate uh, description of your position hate is a strong word i don't hate him i have reliable information that jason has already booked a hotel in las vegas for the weekend of the super bowl next year <laughs> jason would you like to comment no comment <laughs> also jay if, in case you're wondering why jason sounds like he's on the phone it's because he is dialing in on location i just got back into the hotel room down in uh Thibodeau, louisiana so Ooh. i'm doing my my annual sugar mill audit i don't have a lot of time we we're going out to dinner later tonight cool. so all right so I'm then 
the question then, Jason, is how do you have been the most critical of the Saints as an organization and the lack of accountability? How would you rate the offseason moves that they have made this year to date? I'm I'm more on the positive side for the moves that they've made. I I I like that. Once we lost the defensive linemen, they targeted two defensive linemen to bring in to replace the ones that left. That's a teaser kept, for the next episode. We, you know, we, we kept Thomas in the building. Um, look, the jury's still out on Carr, but he is better than Dalton. But the the issue is, okay, I mean, the moves are great. I mean, they're 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 fine. You know, we fortified some spots. We still have the draft to finish, but at the end of the day, it's still Dennis Allen at the top. So that's really where my concerns lie that's why i'm not getting all up in arms oh we're gonna run the division we're gonna do this we're gonna do that you know are we the best roster in the division probably at this point but there's still the draft and we still have the dennis allen issue i still so, don't i'm still not ready to to go all in jason something we talked about not like earlier but and you're specifically the person i'd like to hear about this so obviously us as fans we get frustrated with dennis allen and play calls and organization and the cap that mickey loomis does and all that but and that's us as fans but the players are telling us, and they're not only telling us with their actions and their words, but they're telling us with their wallets. We have players willing to take less money and take pay cuts to stay a part of this team. So the culture where a lot of us start thinking about how, how tough it is and maybe uh, better to lose in the locker room, it's the opposite of that happening. Players are doing whatever it takes to stay here and be a part of this. That has to we have to realize there's stuff that we don't see that maybe there's something pretty good that's brewing. I mean, maybe there's, you know, maybe the, the culture in the building's fine. doesn't make him a good coach. So in terms of game manager, coach, can he win? The jury's still out. So I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I tend I'm to not agree old. with you on that. It, it, it is, it's the on the field thing that we need to see this year. You know, the off the field stuff, it does look like he is doing a, pretty good job there especially with what wesley just said but um you know it's got to be the, the on the field stuff's got to be what 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 defines whether he's a good coach or not right i mean look we all bought in last year and we see how that worked out so i'm not fully buying in yet i'm going to be a little guarded so but i am i think it's been positive the moves that have been made so far so i'll say that you know i'm on board the, we'll the, the team how, how... is better now than it was at the end of the season. There's oh, no sure. doubt about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's all I got. So that's my check-in uh, from on the road. That's my five minutes. That valuable information, Jason. We appreciate it. Yep. Yes. Bye-bye, donkeys. Nice to speak to you. <laughs> yep. So I think that's about wraps up for this episode. And once again, I'm going to remind everybody who's listening, uh, tune in for the draft live stream party. It's going to be on Facebook, the Don't Patrol podcast Facebook page. Um, it's going to be the entire first round of the draft. And uh, when you tune in, make your comments as a fans. We're going to invite some of the fans to join us. And uh, I think it's going to be a crazy and wild and fun ride. So I'll be cross-promoting and streaming on my OnlyFans as well. Ah, there you go. All right. So all seven of those men are going to join the podcast. So that's all the show we have for you right now. We're going to thank our loyal listeners for downloading each week and telling all of your friends about the Dome Patrol podcast. Follow us on Facebook. Look for Dome Patrol podcast. Live streams going to be there. Follow us on Twitter at Dome Patrol PCAST and at Dome Patrol UK for our English speaking listeners. Uh, and if you want to listen the old fashioned way, go to Dome Patrol podcast.com. Say bye bye, donkeys. Follow me on Wesley slash Cinnamon Toes. 
All of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama Been cheering for the black and gold Now from the east to the west When they talk about the best The story of the saints is told They're on prime time And you can read all about them In your favorite magazines All America is talking about the who that's Down yonder in New Orleans Are you a who that? Singing loud and clear, I'm a hoodat. We love to cheer for saints in New Orleans. So here we go, saints go. Go, saints go. Go, saints go. Go, saints go. Everybody!